Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hipfire Podcast. So today, we're going to be going over the roster mania. It's been a while since we've recorded, and a lot has changed, and a lot of rosters have changed since we've last recorded. So we're going to kind of give our general thoughts on a lot of the rosters and go into depth on, on some of the specific changes, and also kind of give our thoughts on what makes a roster change a good roster change. You know, is it addressing the problems they had before, or are they just swapping in players and playing the same way, which was not working before. You know, are they making the right kind of changes and are they picking up the right kind of players for those changes? Um, and we've only seen two teams stay the same throughout the year so far, which is kind of crazy. Uh, it's a lot more active than it was last year. And we have players such as Slasher and Hook on the bench right now. I mean, it's got to be one of the most stacked benches we've ever had in Call of Duty. And also some of the most like kind of unforeseen roster changes as well. And I think it's because teams are starting to realize that you know it really matters in this game specifically too, which we'll keep t- touching on as we go along, how important playing as a team is and how important trading kills is in this game and how teamwork's essential. And if it's not working with your current team, you might as well try to you know find a team that does play together. Um, so to start out, uh, the roster change that really kind of capitalizes that point I just made about trading kills and about making the right kind of change, even if it doesn't look obvious, is going to be Toronto's change. Um, and there's a lot that goes into to that change and, and why it's better. And I know Yas has a lot of thoughts on that, yeah. as people may have seen in the CEO Intel chat. Um, but Yas, what do you what do you make of Toronto's change, and why why has it worked so well? And we've thought about it uh, prior, and I, I know obviously this has been touched on a lot. I mean, just to discuss where we are currently, a lot of people consider Insight to be the best main AR in the game right now, and. Uh, you know, it's warranted considering the way he's been played, the way he's changed his team. And one of the biggest talking points that or arguments that we had about why this roster change made sense was teamwork. You know, one of the biggest things that we saw with the prior ultra roster was their lack of teamwork, the lack of fundamentals. Uh, they just didn't play together. Uh, and you, that resulted in a lot of inconsistencies in the way that they played. Um, in S&D, you know, Zenny played well, but the one thing about that team was no one was really getting first bloods. Insight does that now. Their control, you know, you could tell that they weren't able to read map pressure, and it was their worst game mode by far. They had to play raid control almost every time because they had no game on checkmate, as we saw, if you remember from stage one, that horrendous 2v7 that they lost to uh, LAT on checkmate control. Uh, they couldn't play Gary, so they had to play raid, and they were not good at raid. All of a sudden, they don't lose controls ever. I think they're on like an 8-0, 7-0 control win streak right now considering like looking at how well they were playing. So, I mean, obviously that it's more uh, a result of how the team is playing as a whole, but a lot of it is a result of what insight brings to the team. I mean, it's chemistry uh, with Kleenex because they played on before teams before back in singularity. They used to play all the time together. You can tell that they have a lot of good chemistry. They're sliding in for each other. They're playing with one another. And I think stuff like that is very key. Uh, again, when you got, Insight, picking up your lanes, calling out. I mean, he he's in-game led before. Uh, from my understanding, he's also shot-calling their S&D now, which is why it's been so effective and innovative. Uh, I mean, and Control is his best game mode as well, which is why Control has been such a strong suit. I mean, he brings so much to a team. And I think with this specific roster, he works so well because um, of his relationships with, with the guys on the team. And, and so when, when they're all firing on all cylinders, I think this is the roster you needed. And we figured their ceiling would be high, but the fact that they play at this level this consistently um, is just a testament to how hard they've worked. And I think 
you couldn't have asked for a better change in any scenario. Yeah, just to just to continue the point a little bit more, um, what I think the, the biggest problem, like Yas mentioned before, was their lack of teamwork and insight. All of a sudden, they're a much better teamwork team. So the, the change they made did like improve the problem they had. They addressed the issue, they fixed it, and now they're a top team, right? So that's like a just automatically a really good change. And also, I did notice something kind of interesting where it's a play that not a lot of ARs would make. Because uh, Kleenex is kind of a slow AR. Like, he's not... You mean Insight. I, my bad, yeah, sorry. <laughs> not, he's a pretty slow AR. Like, he's not super fast like Clay. Or, so, sorry, like, sorry to cut you off. Um, but just, just to add to that point, he actually is, on average, has lower engagements, lower number of engagements than Zinni. So, yeah. he's a... <laughs> you continue. Yeah, well, like, well, that's a good point. Like, he, statistically, like, statistically, he might be a slower AR than, than uh, Methods. But he makes plays that not a lot of ARs would make. And one of those plays that I noticed recently on a map of control was so they were trying to get kitchen control um, on offense. And I, I, cannot, I was like, I had to take a double check and like rewind it to see, make sure I saw it correctly. But you had Insight sliding into kitchen to serve as bait for Kleenex to break kitchen control and to get them kitchen control. And then on spawn, Insight goes back to apartments to, to go back to his setup. To his setup. But he uses a whole life just to push Kitchen with Kleenex to get Kleenex into Kitchen. I don't think a lot of ARs would make that play and slide in for their SMGs. Uh, maybe maybe Face guys would do that with Alec and, and uh, Selium, but not a lot of ARs are doing that. And it just shows how like team oriented the Ultra are, and how you know the the move to pick up Insight was a chemistry move that ended up paying off. Um, so yeah, that's that's the you know obviously the best. Sort of roster move so far. If you're going to give it a rating, it's S plus. I don't even know the highest possible rating you can have, because <laughs> um, now they're the best team in the league. Um, and then, so going on from there, like the next roster move that I want to talk about is the vivid LAG roster move, uh, because it's it's one that I think we both have a lot of strong opinions on. Uh, so early on in the season, I know Yas was touting Vivid as like the most underrated player in the league. And that's just based off engagements. Like, it was insane how far ahead he was of his own team in terms of engagements and pressure and putting on just, like, loads of engagements on the map. And it was pretty crazy that the pace he was playing at. So, obviously, that does show that there's, a, you know, an issue with the team, though. If he's playing that fast and the rest of the team is not, it's not really going to work in this title. And it wasn't working. So, what the rumor is, is that they didn't want to make a change and the other players didn't agree with it, so they decided to bench Vivid instead and pick up Chino. Now, initially, everyone's reaction, as I'm sure, were like a bunch of question marks. Why are you dropping their best player? What's happening here? Um, and the first series they won with Chino, what we did see was more teamwork. Just if they're playing at a slower pace, you might as well play all players at the slower pace together. It's going to work more than if you have one player not playing with everyone else. So it can work. The problem is like that play style is just not sustainable against really slay heavy teams. You have to keep up with, with like the phase and the Kleenexes on Ultra. Like you have to have a player that can keep up with those kind of players. Otherwise you're gonna get run through on some hard points. You're not gonna be able to keep up. Like they can be a good a nasty search team. Like Shiro's been great in search. But if they can't keep up with respawns, they're not gonna be able to win series. You can't two three five everyone. It's just not gonna happen. Um so in my, in my opinion, like it's it's Obviously, a move that was done because of chemistry and wasn't to do with individual play, you know, um, kind of like the methods one. But the difference here is that the change they made is is fixing 
a pacing issue in the opposite direction. I don't think you could fix it and make it slower because it's not working. Your slow play style wasn't working, so why are you going even slower with the team like, going up against like really fast teams? I just don't get it. Um, but what's your take on that roster change? No, I have you no know, similar sentiment uh, to what you said. I think in if I if I were to play LAG's GM for a second and to see through their perspective what they're thinking, um, obviously Vivid is playing at a speed faster than most of his team or the rest of his team. I mean, even to this day. He still averages the most hardpoint kills per 10 minutes of any player in the entire CDL with 25.5. The next is Kenny, then Huke, who's also bench, which is kind of funny, Asim, Clayster, Kleenex, and so on. And it's Slasher. So there's actually quite a lot of bench players that are high up there in hardpoint kills per 10 minutes, which is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, he's playing at an incredible speed faster than his teammates. And obviously, if LAG, um, you look at their academy team, and outside baby Nero, there's really no one that I would have considered, you know, a top prospect to be picked up. And I think that and that kind of puts LAG in, in a tough spot because from my understanding, their two subs were Chino and Mental. And Mental, uh, as as much as I like the guy, he isn't ready. He's not ready yet. Maybe, maybe he needs more time, but he, he's simply not ready for the CDL from what he's been playing. I mean, LAG, as, uh, roster, their, their academy team has been playing horribly. So... Just in that moment, LA doesn't exactly have a lot of options to sub players in and out if they want to get faster, which they should want to get faster. I don't think getting slower helps them, or at least it hurts their ceiling. Um, but obviously, you know, if you can't fix um, the pacing of three players, then I guess you got to take the placing of the one player that's too fast and um, get them out of there. And that's what they did. They put in Money Chain and... I do think it helps their pacing to a certain degree to have him in the AR silly move to sub. But at the end of the day, I think that hurts their ceiling. Yeah, sure, they have a little honeymoon period. They might win a series here and there, take Dallas, take map five. But I don't think they're in the long run, they're going to be, this is sustainable. Like, if you look at where they are in the standings right now, they currently sit eighth with 80 points. Um, ahead of them is Minnesota with 110. It's already 30 points ahead. Then behind them is Florida with 70. Paris with 60, Seattle 50, London 40. So they're in this like close race for the very last spot for champs. And, you know, these teams are making changes. Florida is supposedly trying to go after Huke. Uh, Paris obviously has made their change. Seattle just made a change today, which we'll, we'll get to eventually. But, I mean, I understand that they want to change their pacing, and that was the whole point. And, and maybe getting slower may help them in the short term. But long term, their potential, I, I do think, is just limited. Yeah, and I, I agree. And also, even like long term, in terms of like years down the road too, what are you doing? You have the oldest team in the CDL now. Like you don't have any young prospects to build on. Vivid was your young prospect. Now he's benched. Like if you're talking about like a two year plan, even like we're getting ahead of, a little bit ahead of ourselves. But even just thinking about that, like you have no young prospect to build on now as well. Like if you at least play in like sub and narrow, like Chino's been fine. Maybe make a two person change and bring Nero in. Just get some young players, some experience, and get them like used to the CDL. I just think that like you're you're going after all these veteran play, you have a veteran team now, and they're not doing that well. So what are you looking forward to in the future? It's kind of yeah, another thought on that. No, no, that's actually a really good point. It's like yeah, if you're building your franchise, they've got to be one of the worst like run fran like built yep teams that you could make. Like you haven't built yourself whatsoever. I know if I know most of who are listening to this probably watch the flank and Ben. Uh, talked about all the time about how he sees LOG this season building around Vivid, and that's what the season's about. Trying to figure out whether who they want to keep and who they want to build around. 
But through their academy team, they've already shown that they've already sort of gone back to their old ways. Let's pick up a guy like Cheen. And I love Cheen. I think he's a he's a great person. I think he's a good player. But he's not it's not like he's a top talent in the MC. It's not like he's he's a Sib or a Hydra or or an Afro or someone else. He isn't he's in that top echelon of talent where he's the guy you're gonna build your team around. He's the guy that can yeah. be a you know a gap player that can support you when you need like like instances like right now. But he's not someone you're gonna build for the future like a vivid. Nero could potentially be that guy, but he's not a sub on their team. He's just academy. Their yeah. subs are mental and, and Chino. So it's like, what are they doing? They really sort of, even before the season began, it sort of seemed like they uh, put themselves in this home corner where they, they have no other choice but to have these two subs and their roster is full of old people. And I don't know. It, 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 it It's not going to work long-term for them. And I think, yeah, it's a good point to actually make. And also touching on a point you brought up earlier where a lot of the bench players right now are players that had a lot of high engagements. It's funny that you mentioned that because like, because people said like, why is everyone dropping their best player? Like I saw that like commented like, you know, why is Hoopy Slasher getting dropped and Vivid? Um, obviously, first of all, it's teamwork thing, right? If they're having that, that many more engagements, maybe the teamwork's off. Well, no, I think another thing too is you got to consider teams are looking at the way FaZe and Ultra play and how important trading kills are. And if your player's just kind of flying out and being aggressive, it's not, it's not, you're not trading those kills out, it might be worth it. Like, maybe it is worth, you know, playing better as a team and, and slowing the whole team down if you have to. But if you're going to do it, you got to still have something to build around. You know, like, you, like for, for, the, for example, for the Thieves, like, they benched last year, right? But then they picked up Draza, who's an exciting talent, who had, like, shown flashes last year and has shown some pretty good stuff at the AMC this year, too. So you go after a guy that has a promising future and you can build around him, right? Like that's what you, that's a that's a like positive move. And the Empire for Fellow, I don't think that's permanent. I'd be very surprised if it is. Um, I, I imagine they're going to try to trade Hoop for whoever's going to be the replacement. So I I don't think that's as bad as a vivid move. Um, but you know, if Fellow is the permanent the choice, then that's a little bit worrying. But hopefully they can make some moves. Um, Fellow's fine, by the way. It's just, I don't think I don't think it's going to work with Illy and, and Shotzi on subs and Fellow. I don't think it's enough slang power, personally. Um, yeah. But, yeah. What do, you, what do you think about that move? Yeah, Dallas, um, obviously, we were all pretty surprised by that, especially me, because I'm, yeah. I'm very high on Hugh guy, especially after stage one. I, I said he was a top three player, arguably the best in the game. And I, I kind of want to go back and watch Dallas's matches because I want to see what they saw. What did they determine well, was the reasoning? Because it wasn't a performance issue, but it had to, it had to be something teamwork related. Because from what I saw from stage one in specific, he was making all the right plays. He was making the best plays. He was the one on rotation getting kills, the one calling out. His, his communication was clean. In fact, he sounded like he was the in-game leader at most of the points, not Krim. He was the one calling out how the stuff in heart respawn. He was the one directing the team. It wasn't Krim. So what changed? Like what happened from season think, one to stage two? You know, I think in stage two, people a lot of people were calling a, a hook drop off early on. I don't know if I remember that or not. But people were saying like, you know, Hook's not as good in the stage and like what's happening. And one thing we noticed is with Shotzi and Hook, they seem to kind of flip their roles a little bit and let Shotzi be the one on rotation and be the one flying around. And I think if they just didn't, but like they didn't mesh well uh, as a sub duo this year, it, it seemed like they were on the same page. And it just wasn't going well. And if, I mean, if you're going to try to go for one IGL, you're going to pick the, you know, multi-championship player in Krim over Hook, I guess, and, and roll with that. So 
that's what I imagine it came down to. But yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear from the camp themselves. I mean, Krim and Fellow have been okay. I don't think they've been great by any means. It's I mean, a, no, but it's like we said before, right? It's it's a ceiling thing. Like that AR duo and that sub duo, both of them independently, their ceilings aren't like amazing uh, compared yeah, to other yeah. duos in, in the league. I mean, as an AR duo, they haven't performed like great. Yeah, I think their ceiling is definitely shot. Uh, it'll be curious to see how they move forward. I mean, obviously, it is still early, so you know they have time to improve. Like for example, as much as we talk about how great the ultra roster was, they didn't start out too hot either. They took no, some time true. to get to get under yeah. their feet, and they only really hit stride once the major began. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll you know got to give them time. Obviously, they had the three or lost the ultra best team in the game. That's understandable. Um, LAG took them at five. This that week's really going to be, five. yeah, it shouldn't have, but uh, this week I think is going to be a good stepping stone for them. Um, they play Florida, they play Minnesota, they win one of those games. They are guaranteed top three. In okay, can uh, they finally beat Minnesota? <laughs> yeah, I think they're like oh, maybe, maybe this like is what they need to beat Minnesota. Maybe, maybe. Um, but that takes no, no, they, they beat Minnesota. Did they beat Minnesota them? I thought, I thought they were they 0-3 three against them. No, the stage two major, right? They yeah, the, the stage two major, they won. Oh, you're right. No, 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 they yeah, won. Yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. Yep. I wonder what it is. No, you're good. You're good. Yeah, but, uh, um, uh, okay, next, next roster change, we got to talk about it. We talked about it a lot, so I don't want to be harp on it too much, but Hydra is in the lineup now, thank God. Um, his S&D mm-hmm. doesn't even work, but so does the team's S&D. I mean, you drop your, your S&D shot caller and diamond con, it's going to take a little bit of time to get everyone adjusted to a new style of search. But in respawn, Paco's been great. Um, I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving what he's doing so far. He's only going to get better with Clay's leadership. It's going to be great. Um, when I was skeptical, well, we just didn't know, right? Between Damacon and Mac, how was it going to work out? Um, and it seems like it was the right decision. I love Damacon, and I think he's a great search player. And their search has definitely taken a hit without him. But Mac has been disgusting. He's been a little inconsistent, so I wanted to get a little bit more consistent with it. But I think his, the ceiling with, with Mac is higher than the ceiling with Diamond Con. So I think it is the right move to make. Um, it's just, if they can fix the searches, it'll look even better. Uh, but until then, it's still kind of sketchy, you know? But I think the ceiling's definitely higher. But how do you, what do you feel about that? Yeah, I think the ceiling's uh, definitely higher, in my opinion. I think Hydra is a really dynamic player. I think his S&D will come along eventually. I mean, we, we know how talented he is in S&D. Uh, I think he just looks uncomfortable right now, and as a result, he, he's not playing very well. Um, I think the whole team is in S and D right now. Yeah, no, that, that is fair. They they don't they certainly don't look great. I mean, even at their peak, their best S and D player was Clay, um, and I'd like to see Mac Hydra Asim get more involved um, in that department. Um, so you know, time will tell. I think in terms of a respawn team, they're they're extremely talented. Uh, you know, they had a, they got you know they got a good test this week. They'll play Optic, they'll play LAT, um, two very good teams, very strong teams, and, and these are really important games based on their group because their uh, their group's actually pretty interesting. So currently, it's LAT's a top three one, and then second, third, and fourth are all tied. Optic, Phase, and New York are all tied two and one. So this week will determine who gets that third seed and gets that uh, who who will end up getting fourth and starting in losers. So this is a really important week for them, a big test. And I think they'll be up to it. Uh, I think the pacing of Hydra and Asim, I think even Asim has talked about how important having a guy like Hydra is. He's talked about how, because 
having Hydra on the team, uh, he's allowed to play more of a route man. He doesn't have to worry about uh, playing around the objective all the time like he used to. Now he can sort of play more of his his potential and get spawns to the team and rotate and and I think that's what he thrives in and what he says he prefers to do. And I think that's that's the, just a big thing that I think goes under the radar on why bringing Hydra in was such a a big reason and it was a good move for New York. And in a similar vein off of that, I kind of see the Decimate move to Seattle in a similar way. I, I kind of feel like the Decimate move to Seattle is going to enable Prestini to be to do what he was doing more. Like Prestini was already playing a lot better from stage stage two to stage from stage one, but I think having a player like Decimate to run alongside him will even enable him even more to have his freedom to to play like Prestini does. You know, which is aggressive. It's almost like Asim and sometimes not quite as fast, but I think this might help Prestini out a lot because. I mean, he's. He, I don't want to be too hard on Dan because he's a very smart player, but it's been rough. And when you have a, a sub duo playing that rough, it makes it a lot harder for you because you have to try to do a lot more things on the map. Um, and decimate. I. I mean, I. I want to decimate the league for since the fucking league started, but this year's season, to be honest. Um, I, I. You know, I was calling for it early on, and I'm glad he's finally gotten his chance. Um, but I think. I have, we have no idea if this is going to work. You know, who knows how like what's going on in that camp right now and, and the teamwork and stuff. But I do think it'll help Rossini, and I think it's going to be a good move. I just really hope that the the thing with them for Seattle for me is I have no idea how their search is going to be. Just a complete question mark for me. Like before every map, I just don't know. Like because sometimes they look really good in search, and other times they look, don't look like they have any idea what they're doing. It's really inconsistent. Like sometimes they're making the great reads, and sometimes Octane doesn't hear someone like two feet away. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know how that's gonna go, but I am excited that Decimate's back, and it's it's almost like every player from the AM scene is getting their shot, and it's it's a great thing to see. Um, it's just the best players still not there. One of the best players with Sib. Uh, so hope that buyout's not too big because I want to see him play this year. Uh, but sorry, I'm getting off topic. <laughs> Another roster move I wanted to touch on a little bit was London with Dylan. That was a, I was a huge Dylan fan in Black Ops Four. Uh, love love the kid. He, he he's amazing. Cracked out. You know everyone knows his impact in that game. And ever since then, it's been sort of downhill until now. Finally, eventually getting dropped. Um, and I just want to give London some, a little bit of props because, I mean, I know we talked about it before with visas and how it's not the great a great excuse. And I'm still not saying it is a great excuse, but they're being more proactive than they than they could have been this season. They could have been all like, oh, we can't get our players we want, so we're just going to sulk and be shit this year. Um, you know, or they're going to, you know, but they're actually trying to make changes that are building around young players. So when they bring in Paul, right, one of the things that I mentioned when I wrote the article for Breaking Point on Paul's introduction to the league is I said, you know, make this Paul's team. If you're going to bring in a player like Paul, who's looking like fantastic, make him comfortable and let him do his thing and play around him because that's going to get you the most wins realistically. And also give you a future if you want to keep them. And they did that. Like picking up Zap Zap was obviously clearly because of his connection to Yeah, Zap's a good player, obviously, as well. But you pick up Zap because he has a good connection to Paul and you're gonna hope that's gonna work. And uh it hasn't been like fantastic yet, but I hope they can put it together. I'm just appreciative that they're being proactive. I think it could have been a lot easier for them to be sulk and to, you know, complain about visas and just kinda of, you know, sit there and do nothing. But the fact that they're making plays and trying to build around Paul is a good sign. At least in my opinion. How many how many wins do you think they have in the last eight games, London? 
two? They have one. They're <sighs> math five. I mean, they've gone math five. With... But, dude, but you know what I'm saying, though? Like, I'm glad they're, they're doing stuff. Though. No, no, yeah. no. Uh, no I, I agree with you on that. I think they should be. I think taking a proactive approach is the best thing you can you can do. Obviously, not all the changes were you know, forced by them. Some of them were a result of, you know... That's true. Unfortunately, family family issues and visa issues, not able to get zero over or after over, which, you know, that's just unfortunate. There's nothing they can do about that. That's sort of out of their control. Um, yeah. So they're sort of thinking on the fly. I mean... I mean, you know what the issue, though, is... Actually, sorry to cut you off again. Yeah. But the issue is, like, we talked about before with, like, does the change fix the issue? It doesn't with Zap. Like, I love Zap, but the problem you were having before was that your subduo we're not consistent in slaying, and Zap's not a consistent slayer. That's not his role. His I don't think you player. can have Zap and Zed on the same yeah, team. Yeah, that's the right? They're both not consistent enough. I think Zap, Zap is a very selfless player, and he'll, he, he'll slide in, he'll go for, uh, he'll help you on rotation, uh, he'll do all the, the dirty work, so to speak, as a sub player, um, but he isn't, he isn't going to be putting up massive stats, and you've seen that already. He's not putting up massive stats, and that's not what you, you brought him in to do. Uh, I don't think it's fair to assume that he would do so. But the same thing when you have a guy like Zed, Zed sort of does the same role in essence as Zap. I don't think you can have both of them on the same team. Um, I don't think it, it works very well. I mean, with that being said, they've taken Atlanta map five. They beat New York in a map five, so their their maps are definitely close. Um, and again, they're still a new roster, so you have to give them time as well to to see where they go. But I mean, London's sort of in this. They're playing with house money, in my opinion because they're at the bottom of the standings by far. They've won three series this entire season. I mean, they really have nothing to lose at this point. You know, you, you just got to swing for the fences and hope you can make a, a miraculous run to that eighth spot and hope uh, you, you're there eventually. But because the way it's going, it's looking very bleak for them. But uh, I think at the very least, if you're London and you're looking at, you know, past this year, I think building around a guy like Paul, is really key, and I think maybe bringing on his friend like Zap will will, will curry some favor in that sense, and uh, maybe think about uh, potentially staying. So I think if you're for London, at the very least, you you build around Paul like you said, and try and keep him happy because I think he's the kind of guy you want to build your franchise around. Yep, totally agree. Yep, totally. Um, that's gonna take us to our next uh, roster change, which is gonna be the LAT. You know, Draza, Venom coming in. Um. Actually, I have a kind of a weird situation with this roster where I love it from the AR perspective. I think they're super aggressive and they're very fun to watch. Um, I think Draza had one poor series in the major. The last series I lost against Toronto. He didn't play that great. But again, you're going up against inside and Cam and it's not going to be a fun time. But outside of that series, he's looked, he's looked fantastic. My problem with the, with the Thieves right now is kind of a similar problem with London where the sub-duo both kind of do the same thing and think the opposite with London where... Like, Venom and TJ both want to be roaming slayers. I don't think either of them wants to be the, the dirty player, like the dirty SMG player. Um, and they're going to have to figure that out because I think that's their weakness right now. And, I mean, I, I've, I've talked about Tiege before and how he's got to step up. And he, he has in some areas, but it hasn't been consistent. And it's just it's weird because TJ is a good player. He's not bad at this title. I just feel like he, he maybe suffers from a little bit of the same stuff that Vance did sometimes where... He gets in his own head about making the right play too much. Also, something I want to talk about with Envoy. I don't know if we do it with this podcast. We do a different podcast. But that's something I want to talk about with Envoy as well, where I feel like some of these players, SMG specifically, that want to make the right play all the time, can sometimes like gamble the timing and get it wrong by doing that. 
I'll, well, I'll, I'll talk about that later in a different podcast because that's been more involved. But basically, my problem with the Thieves is just the SMG duo. Like, I, I don't know if it's consistent enough. And they kind of need, like, an ASIM kind of player. Like, they kind of need that ratty, dirty player who's going to go and get your hard point time or go on rotation. Just fill in the gaps when you need it. I feel like TJ and Venom are, are neither of them really going to do that. But hopefully they could find some consistency there. Because the ARs look great, and I love watching them. I think the Thieves are one of the like most fun teams to watch right now. So it's exciting. You know, it's just heading a consistent form for them. Uh, but what do you make of the new Thieves look? Let's play this game again. How many wins do the LAT have in their last eight? Six. They won six matches. The two they've lost were the Toronto 3-0 and the Map 5 to Atlanta, which they could have won the series. So you've lost two, the top two teams in the game. Out of every other team you've beaten, they beat New York, they beat Chicago, they beat London twice, they beat Seattle, they beat Paris. So London, Paris, Seattle, maybe not great wins, but New York and Chicago, those are pretty strong wins and convincing wins in their own right. So, um, you know, I, I definitely agree with the idea that maybe the, the sub-duo um, could use some work in terms of how they want to play it out in, in roles. I think TJ sort of uh, put himself in that. I see he is, his hill time has increased. Uh, I think in S&D, um, they definitely could still use some work. I saw Venom was their bomb planner, which I don't I don't know if that was just for the Express from yesterday, but I definitely like to see that change. I think he's uh, one of the more dynamic SD players, and I think letting him fly is very key as opposed to having him plant the bomb. I mean, well, who even... plays bomb then, though? Because TJ also wants to get aggressive at SD too. I'd, I'd, have been, I'd have Draza. I'd have Draza or Kenny. I know Kenny and Draza are playing fantastic, but if, if you're talking about making plays in SD, Venom was the best at it in Challengers. There was no yeah. one that was better than him. And I think like you let both TJ and Venom fly and make those plays. I mean, first blood percentage, TJ and Venom are both pretty high. They both they have 16.9 for TJ and 16.4 for Venom. So if you're getting Damn. first blood that often, or, or they're winning first blood that often, you're not going to lose many S&Ds playing like that or having them do that. So I think you, you want to let those guys fly. Um, control, obviously, still a work in progress. Um, they're getting better. Um, as they play more together, and I think that's a big thing. I mean, Kenny's such an active AR. He's not even a main AR at this point. He's just so active all around the map. Both him and Draza just around the map getting kills and, and playing well with teamwork. And I think it's what makes his team so... One, they're fun to watch because they, they play a very loose, like fast play style, but they also play together a lot, which is why they're so successful uh, so often. And I think it makes them a very dangerous team. I think they're, they're only going to get better. I think their ceiling is very high. I think the more that they play together, the, the stronger they're going to get. And um, I'm very curious to see where this team goes. I think TJ, like, like you mentioned at the beginning, I think with the role thing, I think he's sort of submitted to that more teamwork-oriented role to let Venom gotcha. fly a bit more. But, I mean, time will still tell. I mean, they got a bigger test with New York this week. Uh, let me see who else they play. I think New, York, New York's their last match. They've only lost one map so or one series so far this is split, so not looking too shabby for them. I, I'm really happy with this roster, though. I think this was the one roster change people were like, kind of like, oh, wow, Slasher, you're going to drop Slasher? Looks like it played off very well. Yeah, that's true. No, it was definitely a controversial decision, but it's definitely played out well. I think the last roster we're going to touch on is Florida, and I actually have a pretty strong opinion on this one. Um, you have probably one of the best players in the CDL right now in Big Awakening, Big Wake. 
he can be inconsistent. I will admit he does have a bad map here and there. But raw talent-wise, he's up there with the best. He's actually insane. We've all seen like some of his streaks he's been on the season. He's quite a player. And I don't like what they're doing. I think that I wanted Havoc to be in the starting lineup before Slack even joined. And obviously that didn't happen. So I, I'm glad they're putting him in now. But it's all it's like too late and not the right... It's, not, it's the same kind of thing. Like Havoc's a better player, in my opinion, than Slack because of what he brings in search. But you're not making enough of an impactful change with that with that swap to, to make up for the problems you were having. Like I think if the rumor for Hook is true, then fair. Then I get that. That's the kind of change you need to make, right? You need to get an impactful player, an impactful SMG that can elevate the game. And I, I actually personally think that if they were going to bring in Hook, I would keep Havoc and, and drop Nep. Nep's been very good with his movement. He's probably one of the best movements in the league. He's just not consistent. And I think Havoc to make smarter plays in S&D and he's just a smarter player in general. And I'd rather have him on the roster than, than Nep at this point. That's just a personal thing. I've mean, been fine. Either way, if you bring in, in a hook for either one of them, that's the kind of change you need to make. Because I think at the end of this year, if you're Florida, what I would honestly, if, if it keeps going on this way, I would just drop everyone and keep waking and build around him. Because I think like you have to realize the potential he has and how good he's been and realize that the other three players around him have not been stepping up enough. Skies is not having the same year he's had last he had last year. You know, Neps, like I said, has been inconsistent. And Havoc or Slack is not enough of a player. Like it's not a slaying heavy player. They're not gonna make, you know, change a map for you like a player like, you know, obviously Hook would. Um, but that's the kind of my take on it. It's like you have such a crazy talented player and individual, and you're not getting enough wins with it. And it's not really acceptable. And I don't think the move it's such a lateral move, Slack for Havoc. It doesn't make much sense to me. It's not enough. Like, and you also you did a trial period. You must have known that when you trialed it out. So I don't know. You know, we'll see. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I think. No, I agree with you in terms of. Um, I mean, look, their core issue, or they had multiple issues, but one of their issues was the Slack's inability to slay with the team. I mean, his numbers were towards the bottom of the entire yeah. CDL. So a change needed to be made. Havoc was not going to solve that. He he was going to help a bit in S and D, but he, Havoc's dropping arguably worse numbers KD wise, better numbers damage, but worse numbers KD wise in the, in the small time he's been able to play. And yeah, like you mentioned, it, it really is a lateral move. Not to mention, you look at their communication and it looks shot. Like that's the one thing at least you could argue that Slack brought to the team was a bit of leadership, that's a bit true. of leadership in the communication. Their communication yesterday looked poor. Neptune, like Ben and uh, Zuma were talking about on the flank, like you could hear Neptune almost whispering at times. Awakening doesn't talk very much. And you can't really expect Havoc and Skies to carry the communication on that team. So it's like, where does that leave you? Like, who, like, who are you going to pick up? And obviously there's the rumor for Huke, but that's the thing. One thing I've heard about Florida is they don't spend a lot of money on their like players. Not to say that they're underpaid. Uh, let's not get that. But from my understanding, they're not the highest paid players in the league. Getting a guy like Huke's going to cost them a, a ton of money. Like he's going to be, like, I, I, without a doubt, probably near the million dollar range in terms of buyout and getting that guy into your team. Now, would he solve your problems? 100%. His communication, his awareness, the plays he can make on the map, I feel like a new fresh start for him would be great as well, um, especially with all the things that went down in Dallas. And I think this, he would play really well, whether it's for Havoc or Nep, because I think he'd just make that sub-duo instantly better. Is Florida willing to do that? I'm not going to bet on it. I don't think it happens. I'd be surprised. Do you, I, yeah. I don't think it happens. But you know what, though? They have, they do have a cheaper alternative. This might sound a little crazy, but what they could do is 
you know, a cost like not even close to be the same as Hook, but they could drop uh, Skies and and uh, either Havoc or Nep. I don't again. I, I don't really think it matters which one. I think they both can play really well at SMG and, and play the ratty SMG role, and it can it can work. And then what I would do is I would pick up a duo of either Tom Gravity and John or Frosty or like Hamza and uh, Saints or Perlute. I think that's what you do. I think you go for like a little like duo in the AMC and that's had a lot of success lately. I don't know. And, but the thing, the thing is like that's it's a communication thing. Like if you go after Gravity, you get the communication part solved. He's a very good like in-game leader. So you get the in-game leader and you go after a guy like John who again like he hasn't been tested yet so I don't know. That'd be too early. But if he's able to keep up, that can change the team. I, I just don't think it's working right now. You might as well try to make a change like that where you pick up a team or two players that have already have chemistry together and that can you know, shot call around awakening and get them into a new system because it's not working right now. But I think, I, if you, I think if you were to make that move, you do that at the beginning. Like, I think if you were to do that, you would have done that when you drop slack. I think you drop slack. Well, they should have, but the, what are they going to do now? Like, if they don't get hook, it's because now, yeah, like, if you do that, you're resetting the team. They're already, I mean, they're they're on the cusp of eighth place. I guess you could do it now and just hope that they find their way. But again, that's a I mean, very there's still, there's still that's extremely uh, two stages left after this, though. But I know what you mean. It is, a, it is an extremely high-risky move, and I get it. Like You kind of want to shake up the team because you don't think this roster has the potential and understand it because they're so inconsistent. Uh, you never really know what Florida team you're going to get if they're going to be able to win. I mean, looking at their... Since Stage 2, they lost to Seattle, beat Minnesota, beat Chicago, back-to-back 3 0 like, holy shit, maybe they can do it. They lose to Dallas, lose to Paris, beat LAG, lose to Seattle, lose to Toronto, beat Minnesota again. Lose to Paris. Like they're, they're losing. They can't beat Paris for some reason. They can only beat Minnesota. They can't beat Seattle either. <laughs> they can't beat Seattle. I don't know what it is. They're they're inconsistent. Like they can take yeah. maps off like a strong team like Minnesota, but they can't beat Paris. They can't beat Seattle. It's because they have very talented individual players, but don't have a proper system to play around. Which is why, like, maybe it's a coaching thing. Then maybe not even getting gravity, but getting a player that has a system that can play in a system and set one up would be useful. Um, because they feel like you know how you mentioned LA Thieves feel loosey goosey in like a good way. They feel like loosey goosey in a bad way. Um, yeah, because there's not like like the loosey goosey in the sense that they play together. Like they, you can see them trading off one another. You see that uh, the way LAT moves around a map, it's with purpose to take control. With Florida, it seems like it, it's absolute mayhem. You don't know what they're doing. It seems like they're panicking half the time. Um, they're all like edged. Yeah, and um, okay. Like it seems like it's really a one man show at times. Skies has really not looked great at all this season. I mean, he had spurts of where we've seen he's had his lap. moments, yeah. But, but I mean, yeah. he's always he's always been like his best when he hasn't had to do a lot on the map, where he can just sit around, and take lanes away, and and get those like he'll have low engagements. It's just it's before, a different title this year. You can't get away with that as much. I, I think that's one thing we got we talk about in different podcasts later on too is. Is how important trading kills is, like how important teamwork is. It's crazy in this title compared to maybe it's a 4v4 thing. I think it's a 4v4. It's a hundred. Yeah. yeah. No, because like if 5v5, it didn't matter. I think in 4v4, it matters. Like you can see, like I think we forget because it's been a long time since we've seen it. But in World War II, it, like it was never about who could outslay the other team. That's it was true. always about who, who was playing better together. That's yeah, one of the TK big things. won so many events with they with like you know three yeah. point dropping under point seven point eight. or whatever it was. Point, yeah, you had point eight, like you had point, point eight, eight. <laughs> but it didn't matter because the teamwork was really strong. They got rotation, and when they got rotation, the other teams got punished severely for it. And you don't see that with Florida. It's it's the exact opposite. 
their SSDs yeah, or their also like boards, just... if you think about if you think about like four v four before World War Two, like with IW, IW, you could spawn up and flood the hill right away. There weren't that many money hills, and the spawns weren't that far away, and you can get to them a lot quicker. But in like World War Two, in this title now, if you get like four down or three down, that's like already a hill. Like if you if you try to break and you get wiped, that's you basically get the chalk it. You have one more shot at it, depending on where the spawn is. Like on Moscow, you, for example, you could get stuck. Wait, so, just, so sorry to cut you. Go, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say, like on Moscow, for example, or like raid. If you're pushing one of those like money hills, quote unquote, you get maybe one or two good looks at it, and that's it. You got to rotate. And if you don't play as a team to break that hill, you're not gonna break it. So if you don't have your teamwork on point, you're not gonna break hills, and you're gonna get put in spawn traps, and you're not gonna be able to like be competitive on hard points. It's just a different title. You know, you know a player I think they should they should go after if they want to help their leadership. This would be in conjunction with another move to fix their sub pressure. But I think they should get a guy like Slasher. I think a guy like Slasher brings in the system, brings in momentum. You yeah. work him with Awakening. I think you get another sub as well to help either Havoc or Nep. I think that sort of team begins to look a lot better and has a lot more structure towards it because I think that's what this team really needs. And they lost with Slack, but Slack wasn't but, putting. But you know, Hook also brings that structure. But who's he does, bigger, he does. Who has a bigger contract? Though is it Hooker Slasher? Probably Hook, right? Hook, one hundred percent has the better buy, like bigger buyout. I don't yeah, think Slash okay. like Slash buyout's probably going to still be insane. And whether Florida will be willing to pay, it's a different conversation. But yeah, why is that not public info? Like other in other like conventional sports, we know how much people's salaries are. Why well, we not it's, know it's, that I think it's a di- that's that's different though, because even in conventional sports, it's usually. Like insiders leaking that stuff. It's never the teams themselves, or rarely. That's yeah, that's true. It's always like when, like when her service name is. I think it really doesn't matter as like as long as the other players. It doesn't matter. It's just interesting to know. Like I really want to know like Seattle's contracts, bro. I want to know those contracts. I think people people are worried that like oh like pros will get flamed based on how much they they make. And they'll get flamed on Overwatch. Um, like a hundred percent of people, like from my understanding. Octane makes a lot of money. People found out how much people might be like losing their mind. Oh, this guy makes this much to play Call of Duty. But at the end of the day, I mean, yeah. like, I don't think it really matters whether we know, as long as the other players know, so they can negotiate on, with that understanding. I think it's important. But, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's a whole different conversation. You know, it is. I was, I was interested because, like, with this roster media, again, like, this has been so crazy compared to last year. And I think people, when fantasizing happened, I think a lot of people, me included, thought there'd be a lot less roster changes. Um, the one thing we haven't seen a lot is trading. Again, it's because probably because contracts are messy and it's hard to pull off. But I wonder if we'll see more of that. Because I know in Overwatch, they, the thing with Overwatch, though, is you have so many players on a roster, it's so much easier to trade because you can make the money work, for, right, right? But it's so hard to do like one, one-on-one trades in the CDL because of contracts issues and role issues. Like There's only four players on a team. It's a little bit harder to do. But that'd be interesting. I wonder if we'll ever see some trades. You know, like Skies for Hook, right? That's an interesting one you can think about. Because I, I, think, I, I think would argue we'll, Skies we'll is better than Fellow. But... I think we'll see it as time goes on. I don't think we'll see it right now. It's really hard to make a, a trade work. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to exchanging value, you only have like six players in your roster. And realistically, there's only one yeah, or two tough. that you want to change to your team. And trying mm-hmm. to find something of equal value is difficult. Like if you're trading Hook, Awakening is probably the only thing of value, and I don't see Florida doing that because that doesn't help them whatsoever. No. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, like, it would be interesting to see in the future, but I don't, I don't see it anytime soon. All right. Well, I think that wraps up the rosters. Um, 
I mean, there is Paris too, but what is it? What is there to say? Like, it, yeah, it didn't like, help them. Like it's it. a broken system. What are they supposed to do? I don't know. I can't answer that. You know, keep Aqua Top the rest. I, I don't know. It's not. It's not super simple. I mean, it was kind of shot in the foot from the start of the roster announcement. It took forever to announce it. It was a put together team last second. It hasn't looked good like consistently at any point so far. I mean, they had upset potential with Fire. Now they have like no potential. So. I mean, they did be they did be Florida, uh, Florida, so give them credit. But oh, it's that's, not that's Florida. Like, who else are yeah. they gonna beat? It's been rough. Like, real, yeah. realistically, like, who who do we expect Paris to beat? I mean, uh, they they. Oh, let's play this game also, game you, again. You, you drop you drop okay you drop fire right because of the role issues as well, and then you put scraps back on a sub anyway to put temp on the AR. You might as well just kept fire on the AR. He was fire, like I don't. That's what's bothering me. He's like okay, you make the change and then you flip the roles again. It's so stupid. Let's play this game again. Out of their last five wins, or last eight matches, how many wins do they have? One. They have two, both against okay. Florida. Fun <laughs> fact, they have five wins this season, three of which are against Florida. One is Toronto, one's Minnesota, when Minnesota was dog shit. So they uh, can only well, seem to be Florida. They lose to Mini, lose to Lag, lose to Dallas, lose to LAT, lose to Seattle, lose to Dallas, Chicago. Again, they've lost to Florida as well before. Like they just can't seem to beat anyone but Florida. It seems like actually, if that's a good talking point, this is Florida points, baby. This is forget grill points. This is Florida points for Florida because they're <laughs> Paris. Because that's the only thing they can seem to beat. They oh. have nothing going for them. I think Temp is playing well too. It's not like he's playing. He is. Four he's playing well. Just, I don't think this roster with this four together. I think individually, like I think Classic's really talented. I think Scraps had his moments. Aqua's very good. I just don't think together they're, they're a very good team. But that's why I was saying from the start, man, a four-man French team would be better than this team right now. You I give me Hy- You give me Hydra, Brezzi, Whalers, and I don't care who the third is. They're better. I, no, I don't get that. I think so, man. Hydra's been beaming. The Whalers looks fantastic. I know, but you're talking about... Nah, I don't think a four-man high. Look. Maybe, <sighs> I don't know. I don't I know. This team looks that. pretty shit. <laughs> But they do, but I still don't think a four-man French team would be it. Okay, better. fine, fine. Okay, instead of the fourth man being French, you put Pred in there. I still disagree. I think if you have Hydra, you Pred, and Hydra. Have two, I think if you put them with veteran players, sure. I don't think you put them Whalers. with... Whalers! Yeah, Whalers! Veteran player right there. He's been around forever. Yeah, but I don't think he's good enough to... to like. As much as I don't like how Paris is playing, I still don't think Whalers is enough for that team to get them over the hump. I think they need... Uh, like put the Hydra and Pred with maybe like take Slasher off the bench and take fucking. Oh, if you want to go, I'm just saying better than the current team. That's what I meant. Yeah, no. If you could take it for challengers, maybe you could find an AR. Like maybe put Gravity, Hydra, Pred, and uh, I don't know who else you want to put there. Yeah, Sib and sure. Yeah, but not not this current. Not no. All right, but yeah. yeah. That's going to kind of wrap up our thoughts on all the roster mania. It's been wild. It's been crazy. It's not going to stop, I don't think. I mean, with players on the bench like they are right now, I don't think we're going to see the I, think, I think. I think, I think uh, it will slow down, though. Because realistically, slow down. Both... it's going to slow down. It has to slow down. But it's not there's, two team, there's two teams that haven't made the change. Two teams which we don't expect to make a change all year. And... <laughs> yeah, but we won't, we don't, it's not going to happen. So they should though. Realistically, and then what are the other teams that have made changes, which are going to further make changes? The other team, the only teams that come to mind are Florida uh, and Dallas. I don't see anyone else making another change. I don't like. I don't know who they. Minnesota would go should with. drop should drop Priest and get a better AR. That's never going to happen. 
I know, but they should. I don't Reese agree has not been consistent that. enough. I don't think he has been. He's been a liability, man. I mean, he has, but what, you're going to bring Major back? No, you can get Slasher. No, I don't think they do. I think they bring Major back before they get Slasher. but Probably. I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing Major back and just try it out, because I don't think Priest has been good enough. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that'll well, wrap it up. Um, any last Any last thoughts? No, it should be good. I mean, I'm looking forward to third major. Uh, should be interesting. I mean, the standings right now are pretty cool. Obviously, as a big fan of the Ultra, they're third down the standings, which is, wow, that's crazy to even say. Um, it'll be interesting. It seems like a lot of teams are sort of in this mixy stage where they don't know. Uh, they're still trying to figure things out. And I think for the teams like the Ultra, which are really the Ultra, the only team that look like they have their shit together right now. I think this is great. And this is awesome for them. I think if they continue to build that map pool, they can get really far ahead while every other team's still trying to figure it out. So, so yep. ultra. Yep, so ultra. All right, that's that wrap it up there. See you guys. Bye.